Hello and welcome to Something to Declare. It's lovely to have you uh, with us. Uh, my name is uh, David Main and I'm delighted to have my co-host with me, uh, Beth Alcintani. Beth, hello and how are you? Hello, really well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. Felt very I... formal using our names at the beginning. I'd, well, not that names are necessarily formal, but I don't think we've done that for, you know, a couple of years. <laughs> we just sort of assume everybody knows us at this point. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, perhaps a perhaps a, a bad thing. But um when I ask how you are, it's, I'm also aware, David, that currently you're on sabbatical. We talked about this a bit last time, didn't we? About this yeah. is what you do for fun. Um but uh watching your Facebook, if if anybody follows you on on social media, they will they will know that uh when you read something, you post the picture of the book that you've read. With not much commentary, just the mm -hmm. picture of the book that you've read. And um, I think it's fair to say those have been pinging in thick and fast <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. Well, How one... many have you read at this point? On oh, oh, I don't know, but uh, a good amount. And uh, I mean, not I'm easing my way in. I'm working on things I just want to read as opposed to anything too heavy at the moment. But uh, yeah, always a joy to, to sit. I've had the blessing of being a holiday without the children for a little while. So that helped um, mm. as well. Uh, but yeah, it's been really good. And that was something that actually I started doing, the posting the picture just before my last sabbatical. And it was a bit of a thing to try. My last sabbatical was really about getting back into reading. The years before that, I hadn't read much at all. So um, I just find it helpful. I have some great conversations with people about the different books and things like that, which is really interesting. Um, but also, if I haven't posted one for ages, I think, oh, I'm obviously not reading at the moment. You know, it sort of it helped. Um, but have you been reading anything interesting? Yeah, so I um I have a bus book system where I read on okay. the bus, um and that's like for twenty minutes ish depends on Oxford traffic, which is now more like forty minutes ish, <laughs> um but um I kind of for twenty minutes of kind of guaranteed reading then, which is uh, a really good discipline for me, um partly because there's a sort of irony of working in academia that you do much less academia because you yep. haven't got the time, you're too busy supporting everybody else's academic work. So, um, so I've been trying to read, so I tend to read quite theological things. Um, uh, yeah, so I've, um, but I've read a book, um, I also saw somebody else post about, um, and, um, it was like, oh, I'd like to read that. Um, and it's a really easy read. So the title sounds really hardcore, but it's a really easy read. It's like a really friendly book. Um, and if you just got kind of pretty entry level theology, you're able to read it. So I'm recommending it because it's just lovely and it's got loads of great signposts to other books and things. Um, so it's called Ethnography as pa Pastoral Practice. And I can't, I'm just trying to remember who it's by, but um, it's all about kind of how we use story and tell story and how we understand ourselves in the places that we're in and studying ourselves um kind of and reflecting on experience as kind of part of our pastoral practice which is anybody who's done a kind of practical theology is is kind of hasn't drilled into them but it's a really lovely just you know it's a nice variety variation upon that so recommend it especially if you're writing an AMS essay um and you need something um it's got loads of other good books in it too so if you're kind of like oh I don't know what to read mm. I like that um I've been doing some reading around uh, politics as well as theological things. I did actually read a fiction book as well, which was bizarre. Um, but it was mainly because Hillary Clinton had been involved in the, the process of writing, I think. So um, that was why I picked it up. But um, 
I've just been finished reading a book that had been edited by Julia Gillard, who was the Prime Minister of Australia for three years, mm. um, about 10 years ago. The first woman and still the only woman who's been the Prime Minister of Australia. And she gave a speech, which has become known more widely as the misogyny speech uh, in Parliament, uh, calling out basically the misogyny and sexism of her opponent, who was the leader of the opposition at the time. Anyway, and then the speech kind of taken on a life of its own in a variety of ways. And this book is then uh, a series of essays reflecting on different aspects of that uh, and a really, really interesting collection of, of thoughts. And also just re-watching the speech um, has been wonderfully joyful. It's one of those things I've watched a few times now. I, I could probably have a good go at doing most of it word for word, I guess. Um, but I don't sound like a Welsh-born Australian Prime Minister, uh, so I won't. Um, but and, and just the challenge, actually, of she was trying not to be defined as the female Prime Minister, uh, but actually, there just came a point where you couldn't ride this out, and it had to be addressed and called out. Um, and just you can sense the the anger and the exasperation in the midst of actually something which is very calmly delivered and, and articulate, and a lot of it extempore as well. Uh, yeah, so I I enjoyed that. I like a little foray into American politics usually, but Australian politics I have a little eye on as well where I can. Yeah, great. <laughs> Do you watch the New Zealand Prime Minister's uh, resignation speech? I thought that was. Beautiful. I I read about it. I didn't see it when it when it yeah, happened. Would yeah. highly recommend that as a yeah. actually as an example of how to leave a church. Actually, I think and the way she did oh, it. Oh, interesting. Um, so that's a good little tip. I like that. I always think leaving well is is harder than it seems. I always feel like there's a sermon to be preached in how to leave, um, but it feels quite hard to talk about without saying to people you should be leaving which is not what i'm saying but i'm saying if you are going to leave this is you know ways in which to do it um so i've never quite done it because it felt always feels a bit pointed um because there's always people coming and going in the life of the church but it does feel like leaving well is something we could talk about more absolutely yeah so today we are talking with uh the wonderful reverend val piper now val and i met at college so we were in our tutor group our reflection group mm -hmm. together and it was a real joy to study alongside val and to follow her ministry since um and i'm really pleased that i got the chance to to chat to her on the podcast i'm really looking forward to listening to this so let's listen to val now in that case Val, welcome to our Something to Declare podcast. We're really pleased to have you as a guest. Thank you very much. I feel very honoured to be with you. Now, Val, we should probably declare at the beginning that we've known each other for a little while mm. um, since those Faustian days of, what, 2005 when we started mm -hmm. at college together? Yep. 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 So yep. 18 years of ministry. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's taken some twists and turns uh, for both of us in that time. I think so. Um, but Val, you're at the moment at Harefield uh, Baptist Church. Um, tell us a little bit about how you came to be at Harefield. I mean, where is it? And what does, what does ministry at Harefield look like for you? Well, I actually moved to Harefield during the pandemic. 
Um, so um, my previous church, which was on the Isle of Dogs in the East End of London, um, I felt that God had finished doing there what he wanted to do. Um, so started looking and then we happened to be hit with COVID. So that sort of was very interesting. Um, and so I was going through the settlement period of literally talking to people on Zoom. Um, didn't actually have much opportunity to meet the church or meet the leadership. Um, so it was very interesting to do this settlement period with not actually having any real feel of the place or the feel of the people. Um, but it just, um, the first time we met, it was like it was a hand in glove. We felt, I felt very at home with the leadership team. They felt very at home with us. Um, and just things progressed really. Uh, it wasn't the easiest of um, sort of settlement because you couldn't, I'm a bit more of a people person. I don't like this sitting behind a screen and not really having to go, you know, have contact. But God was really amazing. It was just, we had an amazing time just getting through this um, settlement. Um, the interview with the church was done on Zoom. So I saw everybody on Zoom. We had, um, it's an older congregation. So they were having to learn how to use Zoom and how to communicate, which was again, interesting. Um, uh, all the interviews were done there on, in that way. Um, we decided to have a hot potato specific one with some questions that um, oh. probably could be very um, interesting um, to discuss, to see if we were, we were on the same sheet as what they were. Um, and that was lots of things to do with lots of different. Um, yeah, Val, tell us, I mean, don't need to tell us what you said in answers to any of the questions. But um, what, a lot what about kind it of was, um, female in ministry, how to react with people okay. don't agree with you being in ministry. Why should a woman lead? Um, okay. The um, the LBGQ question um, mm -hmm. should a minister drink alcohol if she's if he or she is caught in a pub? Oh, um, caught in the pub? Yeah, um, <laughs> never, never. Um, and sort of, sort of a bit more along the lines of um, how to react when you've got conflict in the church. Um, so it was an interesting one to do. And mm. the moderator at the time was brilliant. Um, it was led very compassionately. Um, and on the surface, and I think even now that I'm here, I would say we all agreed on what we discussed. We were all coming from the same hymn sheet. I think the interesting thing will be if any of those questions and situations actually arise and the church has to deal with them. Yeah. Um, but I think, and I know now that I've got to know them, I think there is so much love here um, and compassion and um, care that I would like to think that whatever situation we come across, we will come to uh, the right agreement to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So moving here was interesting because we couldn't have a removal company to check everything. So we had to do it all ourselves. Um, the church went out of their way to make us welcome. Um, it's a, a very welcoming church. It's in Harefield, which is directly opposite Harefield Hospital, the Heart Hospital. We are in Middlesex, which is still within the M25 and officially probably should still be a London Baptist Association church, but we don't 
fit the same criteria so we fit better into central um so okay i'm the one of the furthest central churches um yeah because of that um and so it's one of those churches that i've been made to feel so welcome and so loved and so cared for um the team itself um are really active uh can run the church without a minister really um but uh um they've had some good ministers previous to me um i'm the second female minister they've had um so they're very open very supportive um keep telling me to slow down and to stop and uh, <laughs> do too much but that's not my character um so it, it's one of these churches where we are in a 1934 building um so it's quite an old building it's in a um a green conservation area um so we can't do anything to the external of it but the internal they have remodernized and we've got modern sound systems we've got chairs that can be moved and we've got a very modern hall that caters for disabilities and children and a very safe garden as well so they've thought about how they can use the church for future mm -hmm. um, generations and you know i'm very grateful to the work that the team do to keep the premises up especially with it being that old and you know we have to keep the heating on um because of the the building so that's what inspired us to do a community hotspot oh, okay well Val, there's a whole series of things there i want to ask you more about this yeah. is exciting um now you alluded to the fact that um you have a very kind set of leaders and church who encourage you to to stop to rest and to take your days off and those sorts of things and god bless churches that are like that um and i know that that's not easy for many of us in ministry to do um because you're technically part-time at harefield aren't you but i'm suspecting that the reality of your week doesn't look very part-time is that fair you hit it completely i do not know what part-time is i haven't worked it out um I think the con they're getting know what full time is as a minister. You know what hours does a minister do? Um, yeah. As far as part time is concerned, we think it worked out about twenty two point five hours a week, okay. which is sort of um, two and a bit days, including the Sunday. Um, my husband John would probably turn around and say that I don't stop every day I'm working. Um, so. Yeah, part-time doesn't really exist in my vocabulary, really. Um, I, I, I think as I enjoy doing, and the hardest thing for us is as well, um, the manse is above the church, so we actually live on the premises. Oh, so you're on site all the we time? We are on site all time. Our door is next door to the church door, so um, we don't Did ever get away. Do you get a lot of sort of random knocks on the door? I can't get into this cupboard type stuff. Um, not that. Um, we have had a few random people call. Um, and it's been agreed at the church that I would not meet with a single guy on my own in the church. Yeah. So we have to, security reasons, make sure I've always got somebody else around if I have to deal with those circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, I think the hardest thing is when I had COVID, and I wasn't allowed to mix. I could hear everything going on downstairs, but I oh, couldn't no. go and mix. That to me was more um, upsetting and, than actually having COVID. <laughs> yeah, and can can they hear you? Does it work the other way not, as well? Not 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 too bad. Okay, not too bad. I have been down. Yeah, you know, we've got the, the flats above the hall, the main hall, 
Okay. Um, but if you've got the windows open, you can hear the worship because we always try to keep the doors open. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, part-time really doesn't exist in, in my, no. my thoughts because there's always something to do. So how do you fit it in on a part-time? Yeah. I hear you, you I hear you. If you want to do community stuff, how are you going to do that in and prepare sermons and do pastoral visits? It, it, it don't work. Which brings me on to the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and we'll come on to the community hotspot after this, but you mentioned about being right opposite uh, Harefield Hospital. Um, how does that impact the life of the church? Amazingly, apparently for the first time um, for a while, we've got, we have loads of different nationalities. The, the dynamics of the church has changed quite dramatically with people from the Philippines, Nigeria, Ghana, Pakistan, India. Um, they're all studying or nurses or consultants or carers at the hospital. Um, one week we had seven new nurses turn up. <laughs> Um, we've had two Philippian family, Fili Fili Filipino families coming um, and they have stayed. Both families have just had another baby. So we've now increased our children by about four. <laughs> um, and that seems to attract others. So we get a lot of nurses coming. But as soon as they go on to shift, they don't all come at the same time. So it's a bit like a seesaw. Um, and some of them have come without their families and Harefield is not a very good place for accommodation. So people move out to cheaper accommodation with their families. So we lose them then. Mm -hmm. But we do seem to be a springboard for when they first come into the country because we are the church. Literally, you can see the church from the hospital. Um, OK, you really are just the church over the road. We are literally. And yeah. When I do partial visits, there's particular wards you can actually see the church from when you're when you're in their rooms with the you know the patients. So. Well, they'll get to know you in the hospital as well. I'm guessing in that case. Yeah, yeah, we are very fortunate to have that opportunity to be able to go into the hospital. Um, and the other thing that I get, not too much, but a good amount, is other ministers that realise that we're here and they email me because they can't get to see their members. And ask if I go and visit them and pray. Right. With them. So you get and a bit of chaplaincy. Is, that is such a privilege. I cannot express what a privilege that is because I'm getting a minister emailing saying, Would I go and visit? And this person doesn't yeah. know who you are or um, they're seriously ill and you're in that position to be able to go in and pray with them. Um, I was trained as a hospital chaplain anyway. So it's yeah, it's yeah. great to be using those skills again. Yeah. And I mean, you've you brought some of those uh, people skills into ministry like right from the off didn't you I mean your background as a hairdresser and just the kind of person you are you're so good at just getting alongside people and talking with them and you seem to really thrive in those circumstances yeah I as John said you know you have the gift of the gab and I think being a hairdresser you're, you're used to talking um but there is something special when you're talking to people about God and you're praying with them and you can go into the hospital and have that that privileged position of sharing God and you know when people I've not got family around you know because some of them come from quite big distances and they haven't got family the church seems to be the family and the other thing that we found is that if a partner is in hospital the other partner if they're staying here got no family come to the church and the church becomes okay. their family for the for the duration of their per, their partner being in hospital 
And again, that is such a privilege to be able to walk and support and encourage um, the partners yeah. of those that are seriously ill, because it's they are, most of them are very seriously ill because it's a very big heart hospital. Mm. So um, it's not your little, you know, appendix or something. It's a bit yeah. more, a bit more serious. Yeah. And you mentioned about setting up a community hotspot. Tell us a bit about what that involves. That's oh, really exciting. I'm really, it's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. We had this vision um, because we have to keep the heating on in the building. We thought, well, why not make use of it? Um, so we've opened up the building um, and the community come in on a Tuesday morning. We provide tea and coffee, cakes and biscuits and soup and fresh bread from our local baker, which you can't get anything bread better than freshly baked bread. Ah. Um, and people come and we play board games. They read newspapers. They have quiet times. They chat. Um, I think the most privileged position with it is, is that people that are coming are not church people. They are people in the community that have got issues of not coming out of their homes since they've had COVID, you know, um, not knowing how to in integrate with other people anymore, finding it very, very scary, the big wild world out of their own front door after COVID. So it's been a real privilege to be having a space where people can feel comforted and loved and one particular person said you know she hasn't been out of the house since covid started and now she started coming um and didn't you know was really overwhelmed by just being able to have space but at the same time have somebody to talk to and to share her anxieties we're not trained counselors but it is a privilege to have these people around us that need something now, it strikes me that the three churches where you've been uh, minister have all been in very different locations. So, I mean, when we were at college together, you were minister in training, the minister at, at Kimball, little Kimball Free Church, and had the joy of visiting you uh, with our group from college <laughs> uh, and, and seeing the, the place at Kimball. Um, and then obviously on the Isle of Dogs um, and now in, in Harefield, so all quite different uh settings I and mean, how has that been i mean it's just like you can't it's possible to be in three different churches and have three relatively similar ministries in terms of demographics and the type of church but actually you've had three very different churches in very different places how has that been i, I think with kimball that was my first church as in you know student minister training so i cut my teeth there and they were very gracious to me um, doing that and when you're there for 11 and a half years it's amazing what you know what that does to you mentally as well as physically um, and then felt called to somewhere where I'd never ever felt comfortable to going to London um, as you may remember at college I yeah. would say, don't ever send me to London Lord please do not ever send me to London I'm a rural girl I'm a farmer's daughter please don't send me and what is I remember say? you saying it I remember what does he do? He sends me to the Isle of Dogs. <laughs> London. Um, it was the biggest contrast I've probably ever had in my whole life. Um, it was very different, but I needed to do it. I needed to, I needed to have that stretch because I've always been in the country, always been in that sort of village mentality. Um, and then all of a sudden ending up in the East end of London where I experienced and saw things that I'd never experienced mm. before in my life, you know. Um, 
the church was very different. We never had our own building. Um, there's a lot of setting up and there was a good team there that did help. Um, but it was so different. And just the whole dynamics, you know, walking down the street, I would hear more languages I never knew existed. Um, different people from different cultures, which I didn't know existed really because of my blinkered background, I suppose. Um, so I was there for four and a half years. And I think those four and a half years, I learned so much of God's grace, God's, God's compassion. And he stretched me like an elastic band to things to deal with and cope with things that I would never have dreamt of dealing with in a, in a very rural um, environment like it was in Kimball, you know, because Kimball was literally a church with three fields either side with cows and sheep moving and um, very, very countrified. Um, but I did yeah. get told that I'd got a farm on the other dog, so I got a city farm. So I was all right. I was okay. <laughs> I got the smell of farming in, so I was all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and now you've, you know, you're you're a bit closer to some trees now. Yeah, I'm a bit closer. But then again, saying that though, the other dogs did have lots of lovely green areas. Yeah. Um, but in Harefield, it again is classed as a as a village, um, and we've got beautiful woods opposite lovely walks um look, nice little greenery nice big park a common um it's a lot more community than probably Kimball because we, we've got a village we've got a high street we've got a library we've got you know all the facilities that you'd want um and of course we've got the hospital and we're not far if you wanted to go into London um Five minutes down the road, you're into Hertfordshire, so you're into real country bits and pieces. Um, so yeah, it, it's 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 different, but it's not different. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the whole of having more access to shops, more access to the community, doing more stuff actually in the community. We're very involved in village life. We the village has a, a big fate every year. We got involved first time. We were allowed to after COVID last year. Um, so we've got a lot more opportunities to actually be seen and be part of you know, the community. We have a big Anzac Day service here. Um, we have a big Remembrance Day service where all the churches are involved together. So there's a lot more coming together and doing stuff as a, as a community, which does float my boat because I'm very much a community person and would rather be I'd rather be out there with the people than being stuck behind a book. I'm not, I like reading, but I'm more of a people person. So. That's always how I remember you. Uh, <laughs> so I'm pleased to hear that hasn't changed. Um, and that's, you know, we, I, I, I love reading as well, um, but I never cease to be amazed how many people seem to feel called to this work in the church who don't seem to like people very much um and like yeah. spending time with people it baffles me yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i can't understand well i suppose because i am a bit i can't understand how you can be a pastor and not get on with people or like being around people um yeah. but then that's just me yeah um, some people are very different um oh, and i suppose God. and i suppose hairdressing really helped um with yeah you met all sorts so you learned to communicate and to uh love all sorts it's a bit like a 
box of all sorts, you know, licorice all sorts, really. We're all different, but we're all, we're all great. Yeah. Except the licorice torpedoes. I don't like those. <laughs> I don't um, mind those. I can dip them in sherbet afterwards. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice, nice. The coconut round ones. They're the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, Val, <laughs> um, everyone who comes on the podcast, we ask them two questions. So I'd like to ask those to you now, if that's okay. Um, my first one is, if you had one thing to declare to the union in this moment, what would it be? I think to be more open and to invite all in, no matter who we are. So I'm just writing that down. Mm. And that's been something at the heart of your ministry, really, isn't it? All mm. the way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and if you think Baptists have one thing to declare to the world right now, what would that be? We need to find more love. We need to show that we are leading by, by respecting each other, no matter where we are, or where we've come from. Well, wow, I think if the world can heed that, we'd be in a much better place. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah. we can try small. Yeah, we start where we are mm. and take it from there. Brilliant. Well, Val, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and chatting with me for a little while. I really appreciate it. It's been brilliant. And uh, thank you. So, Beth, that was my chat with Val. Um, what did you make of that? Is there anything that's particularly standing out for you? I mean, you've done part-time ministry, haven't you? So you, was some of what Val was sharing resonating? Yeah, I mean, I think there is no such thing as part-time ministry either. I think there is only such thing as part-paid ministry. Oh, um, okay. It's interesting, isn't it? Because traditionally you would have given a stipend to release the person from having another job. Um, the idea was that then they didn't have to work out how else to afford to live and feed their families and do whatever you know pay the bills um and and that was what we were releasing people to and it was a gift of time to them um which was obviously expected to be then given in service to the church but without I think a kind of a sense of that having to be a kind of a job in so many hours a week and and I think we've kind of gone the other way now. I think ministers really struggle to even take a day off quite often when I speak to them. Um, that that actually they find that really hard discipline. And actually, it also means that you know for our our kind of half half paid, you know, our half stipended ministers, a half stipend is a nonsense concept, isn't it? We should just accept that some ministers only do half a week for some reason and clearly actually what happens is the other way around some churches just can't afford a stipend and then the minister works full-time anyway on half a wage and I just yeah I've got questions about that I've got quite a lot of quite critical questions about that um not least in that I think often it's women who take those roles um yes. and I think um you know actually are we perpetuating uh, an unseen um and perhaps unacknowledged form of kind of you know kind of patriarchal oppression really <laughs> like we haven't mm. we haven't really fully released women into into ministry in the same way because actually they're paid less than than men at least overall I mean so obviously lots of individual women paid really appropriately by their churches and that's great 
Um, on this note, let me tell you a story. I and I promise we'll go back to what Val was saying, but um, I've never forgotten working in Baptist House and a, a church treasurer phoning up because he wanted to uh, rent a manse back to the female minister who was going on maternity leave. So the idea that she, the female minister would have to pay in order to carry on living in the manse for the nine months that they would be on maternity leave. Oh, and okay. If you ever want to know the gloriousness that is Baptist House, uh, I heard Rachel Stone furious. We do not make our female, a pregnant female ministers homeless. Like just absolutely, wow. absolutely. Like she didn't actually shout, but the level of fury, and it was just glorious because I, I think you know she had it very diplomatically and very clearly with that church, but it yep. was about how much they would be breaking the law. But it was it was kind of one of those moments of, you know, I, if you ever want to know why did God exist, <laughs> these yeah, moments yeah. Actually, they really come out in this conversations like that. And I think I was a really, you know, it was magnificent to see them all swoop in very quickly, um, you know, making sure that, that minister was supported. So, um, mm. yeah. Yeah. But yes, so anyway, it's not the same conversation, but I think I think there is something about paid ministry, which, yeah. you know, it's I know it's struggle, isn't it? Because your local church you're always reflective of your local incomes and your size of your church and all of those questions. Um, and for some people, some people part time really is flexible and works for them and their family and, you know, their stage of life. I think for some yes. people, permission giving then to not have to work a full six day week but actually to be able to say I need a different rhythm for this season mm. of ministry and that can be very beneficial but but I'm I'm suspicious I I wonder if there's any minister who actually works their hours appropriately <laughs> so, yeah um, yeah and it's the kind of culture we've created there that I a bit yeah I don't know it, it raises a, a lot of questions and obviously each context is different but I, I think Every minister I know who who's not in a full time position gives mm. far. I mean, everybody that I know gives above and beyond, but they give far beyond proportionately um, what might be reasonably expected. And it's it's something about vocation, isn't it? You can't just turn it off. You can't say, "Oh, no, exactly." Sorry, but today I'm I'm actually not going to take your pastoral phone call about the fact that your mother has died because you're still their minister and you still love yep. them, and um, you know. And you're still the minister when you go to the local shop, aren't you? So it's like if you're in the co-op and somebody yes. says, oh, by the way, you know, chatting over buying your loaf of bread about whatever's going on for them. Because actually so much of ministry is about presence and who you are and not the always, it's not always the formal thing. It's not like, well, I don't go to toddler group on Wednesdays. It's about going, well, actually, I meet the toddler group in the, you know, in the local cafe, whether I intend to or not. And that kind yeah. of, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and that, came out in a number of ways I think in in hearing from Val about being rooted in the community and obviously reflecting on uh, particularly being close to the hospital as well and the ways in which they're making those links and, and building on on that and it, um, it felt to me very clearly like a, a church that was very aware of its context and its place and uh, rather than thinking we could do all these other things we're saying okay but this is where we are let's start here um, and I think there's something really healthy in that. 
Yeah, and she clearly loves people. So it, I mean, that just came through so strongly, didn't it? Her just her joy of in um of being around people and being with people, and 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 I my sense is that I mean, they're clearly um, a church. I'm very blessed to have her because I mean, she just just struck you as like I'm just hearing her. It was like having a warm hug, wasn't it? Um, I think she's just kind of one of those people who thrives off and it's those life-giving you know for her it's clearly life-giving vocation which is delightful um yeah because then it enables the church to work out who they are as a life-giving community which is clearly one of those conversations they're really having about yeah especially how they're using the building and I was think really um struck by that conversation about kind of there's a lot of care that's gone into the space to value then people um you know to it was kind of the idea of kind of creating a church for the future was kind of the language that was used it kind of that you know it's been carefully modernized and and the, then the hotspot thing because they had to do that anyway but then actually could they open that up so that that could be a gift and um yeah it was, it was really interesting I was fascinated by the idea of living above the church yes absolutely I mean I live next door and that already feels quite close but to actually be in the building uh and to be able to hear what goes on in the building when you're I mean that must make not being at work not you know being on duty almost impossible at least mentally you you know I'd yeah yeah I know I'd have to say it wouldn't be for me um yeah (laughs) I I think I think that would be a bit too close for comfort I say that and we also live next door to church I mean it's not my church in this case so it's easy for me and and I do live the knocks on the doors for the photocopying um conversations as well that's definitely part of of vicarage life and you you do get used to it don't you I think yeah um and how you boundary and what you boundary and I think it was interesting Val reflecting on actually when she makes sure she's got really appropriate you know kind of safeguards in place um, for her and others and I think that that was sounded really wise and really proactively thought through I was really impressed at that um, yeah, yeah so Jen just found herself in a situation that they'd really thought about that yeah definitely and um, one of the other things that I was particularly interested in was how um, Val's been um, leading them through sort of what it's sort of the hot potato questions and and I was just re- regardless of what those are, and I guess they won't be the same in every church, what those might be or, or might not be, um, but just a, a willingness to engage with mm. people and to help them pray and study and think through and talk together. It just seemed a really healthy thing to me um, rather than well, let's pretend all these things aren't there. Let's ignore them and hope that the bomb goes off when someone else is holding it, you know, and <laughs> it just felt like a much healthier way of of doing it. it's not something I've ever particularly done or certainly not for a very long time but it, I, it's I permission it. giving though isn't it for people to explore at a deeper level and I think um when um you know people have the questions and they either just shut them down as a <laughs> as an area of faith life that they can't explore or they um you know they can have permission to open those up and and work out that God's actually in those like that that God is big enough to cope with all the questions that we're ever going to throw um and that the church can be trusted too to be a place that um thinks I think sometimes people's nervousness about faith communities is that we kind of um we become kind of you know doctrinal in the sense that we are dogmatic and um and I think that people can be quite 
like nervous of this there's only one right answer and what if I disagree thing and actually being able to open up questions then can people can explore there might be several different answers or you know that the church might have been asking these questions for two millennium actually and and actually that that could be yeah pretty helpful and I, I think to create a space where people feel able to engage with that is important and there's a there's a culture to be established if mm. you're going to do that well and i think um the, the church I, I don't know anything about the church prior to val arriving so that may well be a long-standing uh thing and it's really healthy but i think um val's clearly very intentional about creating that kind of space and i think that is a real um gift to bring to to ministry in in church yeah you have to trust one another to have those conversations don't yeah, you you do um and that's yeah sometimes easier than other times and i guess it's interesting isn't it because the union's having several hot potato issues at the moment um Mm. uh and and actually now trying to ask the hot potato questions um and i think maybe the real challenge is that it's about the trust in the process you know the trust that the community can have and the you know that that that's true locally it's also true for us kind of more nationally um and 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 would be in regional associations as well like how do you create communities that can um have hard conversations or can have conversations that say i don't you know we don't maybe don't agree about this or we don't Mm. know what to do about this and um yeah that give people that permission to to be opened up to one another i think yeah yeah i like that i like that a lot and then when we did our, our final questions, uh, Val spoke about being more open, inviting everybody in, um, and about respecting each other, actually, and having that trust. So that very much reflected in, in yeah. Val's declaring to the wider community as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it, that just said so clearly come through her whole interview, hadn't it? So it sort of felt like the obvious conclusion to what she would have been saying yeah. the rest of the time. Very much so. Um, I can't remember now. Um, off, but did we talk Val and I about when um, we broke her pulpit? No, I you don't know the story. No. Well, apologies, listeners, if if we did, and I've forgotten, and Beth's forgotten as well. I've um, not listened to it a while ago. <laughs> uh, uh, Val and I were in um, the same tutor group at college, as I've said, and uh, what our tutor group we meet every year. In fact, we're going to Harefield later this year. Uh, but what we tend to do is we move around we take it in turns to host and we have a day together sometimes a couple of days every year um, and you just catch up what's going on with ministry really interesting the journey people are, have been on and it's 18 years since we started college so you know okay. life has taken a number of twists and turns for all of us since then uh, but uh, the first time we we met post everybody kind of leaving uh, college and being thrust down to the world post ordination um, we went to Vows Church in in Little Kimball buckinghamshire and they had this had this kind of pulpit it was sort of on wheels was it on wheels i think it was on wheels but it's very big anyway and it moved around. and this pulpit's been there a long time and lovely history and tradition it's a lovely chapel um and we decided we'd all get on it to take a photo but obviously putting all of us on it was more weight than this um little this pulpit in in little kimball could bear and we broke the pulpit for what, as far as we know, is the only time in the church's history. Um, and so every time we now meet together as a group, 
um we, we go to see if there's a pulpit to all stand on and um that will that moment where we all realized what we'd done and everyone was laughing and it was all lovely and Val because she's just wonderful was very gracious about the whole thing but you also knew or each of us knew that if this was in our church we'd be going oh my word what am I going to do about this because how do you explain where's the money going to come from like you just you knew that it was going to be a thing and yet Val wonderfully looked after us hosted us took us to an excellent pub for lunch it was all she I wouldn't have been able to focus at lunchtime if that had happened in my church in the morning um yeah so thank you Val for your graciousness uh in that <laughs> moment as well as in these moments in coming to chat with us uh today it's lovely to have yeah, you on the great. podcast um, Beth let's finish with a blessing yes let's do that um just uh i've just misplaced it but i've got it here ah, okay um, <laughs> well i think um just to say thank you to everybody for listening in and yes yeah and this is our blessing from genie uh for this season of our podcast life giving god you hold the universe in all its vastness and breathe life into every living creature may we be blessed with the strength for the tasks which you are calling us to and the wisdom to lay down those you are not amen 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 well thank you everybody for being with us and we will catch you again soon <laughs>